0: This is episode three of The Real Review. Today we're going to be talking about the most anticipated of 2017, part three, as well as our final part of the worst of 2016, and a little bit of a review, so stay tuned.
1: Welcome to
0: The Real Review. Welcome to The Real Review, sponsored by Parametric and Lazy Ape Studios, where you get some of the latest happenings, real thoughts, and perspectives in the world of film and television. I am here with Matt, that's what she said, hey. And who am I today, Matt?
1: Today, Joel, you are Joel the not-so cunning ham.
0: Oh, <laughs> I didn't know it was gonna get personal. <laughs> yep. Hey, you know what? Much love over here, just <laughs> Much because love. I love you. Well, heart to you, Matt. Uh, <laughs> can't see that from who's listening, but I'm doing a little heart there. How are you doing today, Matt? Super, I'm doing great. Uh, That is awesome. Well, we are super excited and pumped to be here today talking with you guys in our third episode. uh, We're going to be, like we said, uh, talking about some of the stuff coming up in 2017, as well as finalizing our list of some of the bad, worst, horrible films that happened in 2016, just some of the train wrecks. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) So we also wanted to announce, um, we're going to be doing something really cool here in our third episode uh, for a lot of our listeners, and we're going to be doing a contest. Nice. Yes, very nice. Do you want to tell them about that, Matt?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it's going to be awesome. We are going to do a uh, giveaway yes. for a $50 gift card to a movie theater of your choice.
0: Oh, yeah. Movie, of, movie theater of your choice. So, it doesn't matter where you are. You've probably got a movie theater somewhere close to you. Yep. So, the only thing we're requiring of you, and this is very simple, is basically subscribe to us on iTunes, as well as give us a quick review, and then shoot us an email... And we will enter you in the contest. So, for those of you that are listening, you don't know our email address, uh, that's realreviewmedia at gmail.com. Yep. So, go ahead, do those two things, send us an email, let us know you did them, and we will enter you in the contest for a $50 gift card, $49 of which is coming directly from Matt. So,
1: yes, exactly. And I am, I'm,
0: Aiming to win it. You're aiming so. to win it. <laughs> I don't know if we should allow ourselves to enter. Okay. <laughs> awesome. So, we're well, let's get right into it, Matt. How about that?
1: Yeah, sounds like a plan.
0: Cool. So we're going to start this segment off actually with something a little bit special. Um, our, a lot of our listeners, you know, might not, they may or they may not know. We don't know how much they know about film, about media, about television, how to critique it, how to become somebody that, you know, has a deeper understanding. And one of the things that I have a passion for is not just talking about them, but also helping people learn, okay, how do I understand the language of cinema? So we're going to be doing something that we're calling, or at least I'm calling, The Critic Corner. That's awesome. It's pretty fun, yeah. So we're going to be talking about a concept today. And just briefly, we're just going to touch on this for a minute here, just so you have an understanding of it. And this concept is called Verisimilitude. It's a big word. Lots of syllables. Lots of syllables. Little, 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 <laughs> very <laughs> <British> similitude, yes. <laughs> and basically what this idea and this concept is in film, it's it's it makes sense when you see it and when you know it, which is basically it is the reality or the world of the film. It's the reality or the world and the rules that are set up by the film in the way that it's portrayed. So a good example, um, a good example of it being done well and a good example of it being done poorly here. Um, if you look at a good example, um, we could start with Baz Luhrmann's right. Moulin Rouge, okay? There's a very interesting film. It's got a very stylistic tone to it, a lot of jump cuts, a lot of close-ups and kind of zooming in and zooming out. And people are going into song and dance and out of song and dance. And it's very, you know, metaphorical and deep meaning and everything like that. And that's from the very get-go. That's something that's very quickly put into place just from the opening shots of the way the camera's kind of panning through things and jumping to things. And so you get this complete sense that I'm in for a little bit of a different kind of a feel and different kind of a ride. There's a bit of a magic to the world. There's a bit of a difference to the world. Now, an example of it's being done poorly, a very bad verisimilitude in a film, would be an example like Joel Schumacher's Phantom of the Opera. Mm. Now, this film had a lot of issues ranging from just script and character to everything. But one of the main aspects that I've had issues with, with this film, which I'm a huge fan of the opera fan is the way that it treats the rules of the world that it exists in. So When you start the film, it's a very real kind of portrayal of maybe how something like this would go down. And yes, there's singing, but there's very natural laws. There's very natural rules of the way people interact with each other, the way that the camera moves. It looks like just a very simple, standard kind of way of shooting it. But then we start breaking into a couple scenes where, like when the Phantom first goes down into his lair, um, they're walking down this hallway and there's these arms, these human arms that are sticking out of the wall holding these candlesticks. And since you've had this sense of disreality prior to that, you're like, where do these hands come from? Why are there yeah. hands hanging out of the walls? So it's breaking the rules. Exactly. That it's, for, okay. that it's not real. It's not reality. Um, another example is later on, after he's you know floating in the boat, um, these candelabras, giant candelabras, come out of the water and they're just floating with like fire flames underneath (laughs) the water or something like that. And so you start to get this idea that maybe they were going for the dream thing, but it doesn't work because they haven't really set up that there's going to be this sense of dream nature to the film at any point. It's been very real up until that point. So that's just a concept for you guys to be on the lookout for when you see a future film and you think maybe, "Um, I don't really, that film totally just didn't really hit me at the right moment in the right way. Check it out. Maybe it's just idea very verisimilitude for you that's awesome yeah so hopefully you will learn something
1: yeah i I learned some stuff guys <laughs>
0: so. <laughs> cool well we're gonna get into the section now where I think a lot of you are uh excited for probably Matt because I've done a lot of talking here um <laughs> well let's get into our most anticipated in 2017 part three
1: yeah absolutely
0: so Matt why don't you start us off with the film
1: yeah hey so um i I had a chance to talk with you a little bit about this earlier Joel and I'm I'm very excited because I never knew your position on this, but uh, Mm -hmm. I'm really pumped for John Wick 2. Oh, I am too. I I am really, really excited for John Wick 2. I I got to see this movie in the theater, the first one, sorry, I got to see uh, John Wick the first one when it came out like two years ago. Um, I I went with my dad and uh, it was just one of those things where we were kind of like, hey, let's go see an an action movie Mm -hmm. and Keanu Reeves. Okay, cool and we went and just we ended up leaving like man that was a ton of fun and it was it was all it hit all the right action notes mm-hmm. um and it was it was just something that was not expected yeah um and at the same time it it, it felt like there was this sense of uh Plausible, like thing that's that's pushing the the main character of John Wick forward. Yeah. Um, and if you haven't seen it, I don't really think this is a spoiler. It's kind of in the trailers. <laughs> but um, what what initiates the like John Wick going on this mission? Essentially, he's a retired hitman. Yeah. The the hitman of hitmen, I guess. And um, he gets thrust back in the game through a couple a series of events. One, his his wife dies. But um, after that, his his dog gets. Killed by some uh gangsters. It's a very sad <laughs> yeah. scene. Actually, it's very sad. It's yeah. very very sad. But at the same time, like man, when you hear it, you're like, really, that's what's motivating him to go kill everybody. Yeah. Um, you think okay, that's a little bit of out, a little bit outlandish. But when you watch it in context with what what's happening, I feel like they do a good job. And okay, I could see why this would be something that would drive him to do that. Yeah. And uh, it was just it was just a lot of fun. And the trailers, all the promotional material. Um for John Wick 2. It looks a, a, like a bigger but a lot of the same of what we have seen in the first, which is great. Yeah. Um there's an aspect of it too they they introduced something called the Continental, which is like the safe haven hotel for <laughs> hitmen and stuff, which is such a cool like yeah. idea and it looks like that's coming back, you know, for the second one. This movie yeah. comes out like in a month and a half. Too. You wouldn't so, want to
0: accidentally book time at that hotel right. I'm imagining the,
1: on thebe.com or something. It would, just, it would something. just be a, a big big mistake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, I'm just really excited. I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for that one as well. I think John Wick was a film that really floated under the radar for a lot of people. I'm not sure what the budget was for it, but they definitely didn't seem to put a lot of money, at least in Phoenix where we are, into the marketing and the advertising of it. Right. And if you look at actually Keanu's kind of, you know, his his movie credits around that time as far as acting goes, Um, he didn't have a ton of work that was actually going on around the time. So he wasn't like a lot of people were like really aware of Keanu. And obviously he's done some really big roles in the past, but um, a film that got released the year in 2013, just prior to this, which was released in 2014 uh, was a film called 47 Ronin. And Mm -hmm. for everybody that's familiar with 47 Ronin, that was just that flopped really hard. There was a lot of issues with production and everything like that. And so I think just maybe the fact that his last film had flopped so hard and there wasn't a lot of publicity going into this, John Wick just kind of floated under the radar for a lot of people. But I would definitely encourage you, go back, watch that movie if you haven't got a chance to. It's a great character-driven action film. Right. Which is what one of my favorite types of films is. I mean, if you think of a character-driven action film, a classic of that is Die Hard. You know, where you've got John McClane and he's in this... You know, It's really much about his trying to survive and make it through this and rescue the hostages and everything like that, whereas a lot of other action films are just setups for big explosions and right. things happening, yeah. but the characters are kind of just not necessarily super important. So the trailers look amazing for it. They look like a lot of fun. Um, I'm a little bit wary of it just in the sense that, you know, we've got new people that are going to be attached to it. Um, But then additionally, the sequel thing, the sequelitis, you never know what's going to happen. But um, I did hear one really cool thing that, Kind of you know, just for fandom is going to be really awesome. Is uh Lawrence Fishburne is going to be in it? Oh, so it's, it's going to be yeah, reuniting the Matrix cast. A little um, bit and this is
1: my, uh, I thought I thought Keanu was the, I thought this was the best that he had done since the Matrix, as far as just acting is concerned. He still has like little Keanu yeah isms that he does, but yeah, I, I just love them the most in this in this film.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited for it, and we'll you know we'll see how it goes. I I know that the director, this is kind of, um I think this is. It's just one of the two that More did the, the first one. Okay,
1: it was him and oh gosh, what was I forget what his his uh, directorial buddy was, but yeah, he's he's one of the two guys that did um, the first one. The other guy is not um, on board essentially for <laughs> for this one.
0: Um, yeah, we had David Leach, which mm. is he's uncredited. So we'll see uh, we'll see how this goes. We'll see if it's you know turns out to be as good as we're hoping that it'll be.
1: All right, Joel, what is next on our most anticipated of 2017 list?
0: Yeah, so next we have a, um, a sequel like a lot of the films that we're talking about here today. Um, but a sequel that has been many years in the making, um, at least in regards to actually getting a film made. Now, there hasn't been necessarily a lot of work being done about getting it made. But um, I'm talking about a film called Blade Runner. 2049, and this is the official sequel to the original Blade Runner film, which for a lot of people is considered a seminal classic of science fiction, right? And basically one of the best, if not the best, science fiction films ever made. Um, so the interesting thing about this is they, for at least for us, um, they released the trailer just a bit ago. Um, we're going to be releasing these recordings a bit after this. But we're just starting now to get some visuals and some style and some ideas of what the film's going to look like. And this was a film that I was very hesitant about, um, mainly because the first film is really, I mean, it's a classic. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to obviously do a film... That follows up something like that and do it in a way that's not only similar to the tone and the feel and the style, um, because so many years have passed since the original one was made, um, but also can successfully pull out story elements that are interesting enough that aren't gonna like spoil prior ele- elements of the story and everything like that. So I am excited about this. They have a team on board for it. That it's like if if this team can't do it, then you know this crew can't do it. Then I don't really know who could. Right. Um, the director is Den- Dennis Villeneuve. I think think it might be Denny Villeneuve. Denny Denny Villeneuve. Yeah. I should probably look up the pronunciation of some of these people.
1: It's entirely fine. I, (laughs) I, I get confused all the time, but this guy has some serious credentials.
0: He does, yeah. And he just came out with a film which just blew us all away this year, which is a rival.
1: Incredible. Last time we yeah. talked about this, I hadn't seen it. And now I have seen it and it is probably one of my favorite for 2016.
0: It really is a great film. Yeah. yeah. And so he's teaming up with another guy who has, he's worked with in the past who does outstanding visuals. Um, and this guy's name is Roger Deakins. He's a cinematographer. And If you know Roger Deakins, you maybe have heard his name before. He is one of the preeminent, if not the preeminent, uh, cinematographers in the world. Um, He's done films like Skyfall, No Country for Old Men, True uh, True Grit, um, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, The Big Lebowski, Shawshank Redemption, which is one of my favorite films of all times. Um, and he worked with Dennis Villeneuve in Sicario and Prisoners, so he right. would have been working. He didn't actually work with Dennis or Denise How do you
1: pronounce it? I think it's Denny. You know, Denny. It's okay. Denny. We'll have to give him a call
0: Denny. up. I think I have him in my speed dial. No. We, we can. We can. We can totally figure shoot it him out. a message. Yeah. yeah. So um, they didn't work together on Arrival because um, Roger was not available to help with that project. Otherwise, they probably would have partnered up again. But yeah. uh, they're coming back together to do this. And then um, the interesting thing about this one is that you have a couple writers writers. writers that it's a little, at least in my opinion, it's kind of, I'm not really sure what to make of it because the writers that are attached to this, um, you've got a guy named Hampton Fancher and another writer named Michael Green. Um, both of them are a little bit, so Hampton wrote the original Blade Runner. So that's some good, you know, credits and good connection there, but he really hasn't done much since then. He was attached to a film called The Mighty Quinn and The Minus Man, neither of which really did much of anything. Um, And then he did some work as well with the different cuts of the Blade Runner films. Obviously, there's like five different cuts that we know for the Blade Runner movie, the original. Um, But then Michael Green has a very interesting um, kind of background, if you will, for writing. He's primarily done TV As of the recent times, he's broken more into film. He did Green Lantern, which is a huge just red flag for me. (laughs) Um, But he also then has somehow managed to work his way into these bigger projects. So he did Logan. Um, He's done Alien Covenant, which he did the story for that one. Um, He's doing the remake for Murder on the Orient Express as well. And so it'll be interesting to see what this writing combo of the two of them kind of puts together. They never right. work together. We don't know what they can do. Hampton, I have confidence in just with the Blade Runner world, but Michael, I don't really know. I've got right. maybe one bad one and then a couple potential good ones that are going to be coming out in the future. Um, and then, obviously, you know, composing and music is going to be really important to this. Um, the score is being done by a guy named, again, I'm probably going to butcher this, uh, Johan Johansson. Okay. Um, he worked with um, Dennis, or didn't... Like, it right? It's going to be Denny. <laughs> it's Denny be, or Dennis? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the two. He worked with <laughs> Mr. D um, on Arrival and Sicario, and he's done a bunch of other projects. I uh, did Prisoners and The Theory of Everything. Um, he's not like huge when it comes to comp- composing and doing the music for films. He is really good, though. Um, I would say that with Arrival, um, the soundtrack wasn't like it didn't blow me out of my seat, but it definitely fit. And it definitely helped setting the mood at different times when it needed to. And I think with that, he's got a bit of experience. You know, I was listening to the actual soundtrack itself and um, there is some good sounds that kind of mix in with Arrival and kind of give you that feel and that tone of the film. Um, and then, obviously, here one of the biggest aspects is casting. Right, uh, it's a huge thing. You know, the original had Harrison Ford and just an amazing role, an amazingly complex character. And um, they're adding a new person here, um, Ryan Gosling, who seems to be like basically the main character, the main protagonist that we're going to counter a lot of you know the different elements of the story through. Um, and then Anna D. Arm Armas. Is going to be joining as well for this, and then you've got Jared Leto on board, um, who's done some really good work and some maybe not so good work at times, but mostly really good stuff. Um, Mackenzie Davis, who I actually am a big fan of. Robin Wright, I'm a big fan of as well. She's going to be in Wonder Woman. She's you know been in House of Cards, right? And yep. Was on Forrest Gump as Jenny. You know, <laughs> so um, there's some really good cast. There's some really good potential director and cinematographer right work there. I would say, um, you know, I said this in the beginning. If this cast can't, if this crew can't do it, I don't know who could. Right. I would say with the exception of the writing team so what are your thoughts? Right
1: um, so I don't have a ton to say on it other than what I've seen from the promotional material up until this point um, I, I I think it it looks beautiful mm-hmm. um, obviously with, with Deakins on it and like you're saying he's just kind of premier top notch cinematographer so I, even if it's a terrible movie if he's the cinematographer you know the movie's going to look really good
0: yeah absolutely um and you can tell right right and <laughs> like s- you said
1: yeah and with um just not knowing this so i, I haven't seen the original and oh, just man. kind of i know i know oh. but but <laughs> let me just say that this is making me interested to go back and watch it yeah um because it it does look 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 really good um you have uh, kind of a grizzled out uh, Harrison Ford coming back, which <laughs> yeah. last time we saw that happen was for Star Wars. And I was yeah. like, all right, let's do this thing. But yeah, yeah I haven't seen it. So it, it's kind of initiating that, hey, let's go back and check this out so I can get a better feel for what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. As far as the writing thing, I think probably the Hamptons situation. I think that's specifically to make sure everything connects to the world that he helped create with the original. and then maybe adding story elements but i I think i think it'll i think it's in good hands Mm -hmm. overall i think you're you're right you know the right the writing team is really or just the team overall is going to be good um just bringing it all together
0: yeah absolutely i think my hopes are higher for it especially after having seen the trailer um ryan gosling can do a great dramatic you know role and he's done good at Kind of pretty much every project I've seen him in, he's at least always an interesting character and done a great job sort of embracing whatever role he gets into. So um, visually, I think they did a great job setting the tone already with the trailer. Um, so my hopes are high. I'm yeah. going to try and keep them there. I'm also going to try and probably not get too much information, which they're not spoiling anything right now. They literally have not released pretty much any elements of the story uh, to the right. media for us to check out. So we'll see. We will see. Yeah. For sure. Cool. So next film, Matt, why don't we go ahead and move into that?
1: Yeah, so I want to talk about Spider Man Homecoming.
0: Oh, Spider Man Homecoming. All right. All let's right. talk about that. So uh just a background for the Wait, wait, wait. Is it pronounced Spiderman? It's
1: Denny <laughs> Homecoming. Denny Homecoming. Uh, yes, that's that's how it's pronounced.
0: Mr. Spiderman. So
1: Spider Man, for for those of you who aren't aware, yes, this is essentially kind of a a third reboot in the last 15 years or so that we've had of Spider-Man. However, this is the first Spider-Man iteration that where Spider-Man will have his own standalone movie within the Marvel cinematic universe. Right. He's coming home. Right. I know (laughs) kind of a play on words. Um, but yeah, so, uh, Marvel got the rights through a joint, um, agreement with Sony essentially. And that's how they got him in civil war. Tom Holland, um, is going to be coming back and doing his own thing in, in Spider-Man homecoming. And which I really love Tom Holland as mm-hmm. Spider-Man. I think he's really great. He's actually really young. He's like 18 or 19 years old. Um, and they're, they're really planted up in, in all the marketing for this film. He uh, is, is in school and they definitely play that up that whole like, Hey, you know, I'm just a, you know, a kid in school. You know, trying to figure out how to save the world yet trying to figure out how to get a date at the same time. You know, and should <laughs> um, be easy. Just yeah. swings by and says, "Hey,
0: wanted to go on a date."
1: And I really like that. I, I like the the vibe. They had that a little bit of that with Andrew Garfield with Tobey Maguire, but not to the extent I feel. I feel like th- this is going to be at. They've really been pitching this as like a um, a John Hughes movie within like a Spider Man movie. And I, I, yeah. I get the vibe of that from the marketing. And I think it'll be really cool. the the, the promotional material. It's got all the quips and all the uh, quick wit uh, of Spider Man from the comics, and uh, and it ties in actually really really nicely to the MCU, uh, especially with all the stuff with Tony Stark. I'm really surprised at how much it seems like he's going to be in this movie, you know. And yeah, I, I'm I'm just I'm excited, but I think it'll be a lot of fun.
0: Cool. Well, I would say. I'm a bit different in that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I like some aspects. Um, Obviously, well, I wouldn't say obviously. I'm a big fan of Spider-Man, at least the original one. I know there's, it kind of got worse, you know, at at least for the third one, you know, really not a great film. But the first and the second one I did really like. Toby, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I would say I liked Andrew Garfield Mm -hmm. in the role of Spider-Man. As far as the films go, um, I felt like they lacked a bit of, focus if you will and kind of tonally they were not quite there um but andrew garfield i felt was great in that role as spider-man i think i wish he had had the opportunity to really be spider-man in a good spider-man movie well
1: i'm I'm glad he moved on he's been doing some really great movie (laughs) choices lately but yeah he he was he was very good
0: absolutely so what really i mean a couple things that really kind of are a little bit scary for me with this one and I will just talk about them. (laughs) Uh, One, we've got six writers that are attached to this script. Um, We've got Jonathan Goldstein, John Francis Daly, uh, John Watts, who is the director, uh, Christopher Ford, Chris McKenna, and Eric Summers. And if you look at some of the writing credits that a lot of these guys have, um, a lot of them seem like they're connected with each other. Mm-hmm. So they're like, they've like they came like as a package deal almost. Um, you've got the guy that's written for Cloudy with a Chance of Beat Balls 2, Vacation, Incredible Wonderstone, Horrible Bosses 1 and 2. Um, you've got another guy that's you know worked on the Mindy Project and Community. But then you've got another guy who basically the only writing credit to his name um is basically Clown which was the film by John Watts um, that kind of allowed him to what i'm guessing is get into these kind of larger budget type films.
1: Wait was that the um, horror film? Yeah, it was a clown okay. horror film. That was Eli Roth movie he directed it, didn't he?
0: Um he, he no that oh, he, home,
1: oh, it was he produced it. Yeah, he produced that's on that right, one, that's
0: yeah. Right. So but it started as a short and then it moved on to a full feature and then the feature became this thing and i didn't see it myself but You know, I I heard mixed things about it. And then they've got a guy named Eric Summers who was a writer for TV. He did American Dad, Community, Drawn Together, um, but also wrote the Lego Batman movie. So I'm a bit hesitant to say that I'm excited about seeing these writers on board. None of them have (laughs) really these bigger writing credits. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, The other thing is, you know, with the cinematography, I don't think we're necessarily going to get anything super special here. Um, We've got basically the biggest credits for our cinematographer, which is Salvatore Totino. Um, he did do Everest, which was a great film and had some pretty awesome stuff to it. But there wasn't anything that was really stand out about it. He's also done pretty much all of the Da Vinci Code movies. Yeah, um, he did do Cinderella Man, which had some decent kind of cinematography and visuals. Um, Any Given Sunday and Changing Lanes. So he has this interesting style. Um, his if he, he does this weird thing where his style sometimes can almost feel a little bit like um, suspense horror to me, and it kind of just the way that he uses his different like shots and um, jumping in or jumping out or things like that. Um, but I think a lot of that would probably also depend upon John Watts, you know, how he's going to want to do it. But, um, so yeah, I'm a bit concerned about it. I, I'm just kind of wondering what this combination of all these different writers with this cinematographer (laughs) that's never worked with the director before and kind of how they're going to do, but you know, we'll see.
1: Yeah. You know, I, you know what? I, I think, I think there's a lot going on there, but I think, um, I think it's going to be in in good hands with Marvel. They have yet to like fully disappoint me. <laughs> There's been things that have been a little un- more underwhelming than I've wanted them to be, but not. They've never, they haven't released something yet in this new MCU that has made me like really disappointed. So I'm having faith in that. But um, yeah. So what do we have next?
0: Well, so our last film uh, for our most anticipated list is the well. We're gonna do kind of a combo thing here, right? Um, uh, it kind
1: of all comes together. Kind so, of yeah. all
0: comes together. Um, basically, the Justice League slash Wonder Woman spectacular. Right. If you would, it's gonna be taking place.
1: All kinds of craziness.
0: Yeah. So, what what would you like to share in regard to those films?
1: So, I between the two, I am I am definitely way more excited for Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. um, and I can, you know I can't help but say that I, I think a lot of my excitement towards that is just kind of towards. I'm not excited to see, uh, you know, a continuation of Batman v Superman. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I um, I am really really excited to see where it goes. the The marketing has been really great and really exciting mm-hmm. uh, up up until this point. Um, and I, I, I'm really. I'm just. I, I want it. I want there to be a big win for DC, which I feel like there hasn't really been one huge win yet. I, Man of Steel is probably their most standout for what they have right now. Um, Suicide Squad didn't really do it. Obviously, Batman v Superman didn't really do it financially. It did fine, but critically, not so much. Um, and I think I think Wonder Woman can be the one that could put it, you know, above that threshold. When people are like, "When did DC movies get good?" Okay, Wonder Woman was that first one.
0: Hmm. I'm with you on a lot of that. I, I I definitely, for whatever reason, look at Wonder Woman, and probably just to be very practical about it, it probably had to do with the trailers. Right. Um, the Wonder Woman trailers just looked pretty cool, yeah. and I actually got to see it. I was at Comic Con in San Diego, and they showed the trailer for it, and it was just really cool, and everybody's like freaking out, oh, nice. you know. So um, that helps. I mean, obviously, um, Justice League for what it's worth looks like it could potentially be an interesting type film, but from what we've seen in the past, this is, you know, Justice League is being directed by Zack Snyder. He's also got a bit of a writing credit in there as well. And he, um, he can do interesting things, but he also can not do very interesting things. Right. And I saw <laughs> an interesting uh, video the other day where we talked about basically Zack Snyder is kind of a director of moments. So if you watch a lot of his films, you get these kind of epic, visual, like cinematic, almost like a music video type moment. But there's a lot of, issues when it comes to like bringing into deeper depth and so moments shouldn't be like an entire film you know if you look right. at *Sucker punch yeah which was another film that he did that was basically an entire film of moments yeah and he you know everything was just like its own like world so he could just set up all these different moments right um which visually i mean nobody's probably going to argue it, it was just stunning and gorgeous yeah.
1: and that's good i've never heard of that before and i think you're totally right yeah i think so
0: but his stories tend to be a little bit lacking and so um with justice league at least he's got a few people on board that will see what they can do we've got chris terrio who's the main screenplay writer and he wrote argo which was a good film but you know he also wrote batman vs. just Bat- Batman vs Superman Dawn of Justice, so it's kind of like good and bad. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Right. Um, the cool thing I think they're doing with Wonder Woman is we're getting a lot of kind of newer people. They're not. This is not directed by Zack Snyder. Um, it's going to be directed by uh, a lady named Patty Jenkins, um, and they've got a writer Alan Heinberg and Joff Jones, of course. Um, there's some involvement with people from you know their standard universe and everything like that. But so I'm more excited to see what they can do with Wonder Woman because I think it's a it's a Break out from Their standard way Of making these films yeah. Even with the writers And the directors And everything like that and I, and I agree with you I'm really hoping That it will be An opportunity for them To kind of have a win Yeah In yeah. their flat Because right now They're losing pretty right. bad <laughs> I mean TV You could say You know They might be doing A little bit better With they're the television They're dominating TV Yeah
1: Minus like Netflix But yeah right. So but just standard like TV there, They're definitely winning right Yeah
0: now. but they really Need to catch up When it comes to A lot of their their films And everything like that Right right So Matt That concludes Our most anticipated in 2017 and obviously you know this isn't every film that's going to be coming out in 2017 there's so many different films that are going to be coming out right and we can't cover all the ones that we're anticipating there and are a lot that i'm excited <laughs> there about. are a lot so we tried to hit a few with these uh first couple podcasts here to the just talk about what we're really excited for um the big ones and we'll be talking obviously more when these films start to get closer we're going to be giving reviews of the other films as they come out and we're going to be hitting up back again and we're going to see hey was our was our anticipations worthy did they work out the way we were expecting or did it fall completely flat and not meet our expectations right cool so now we're going to move into our part two of our worst of 2016 this is something that I think most people really enjoy for whatever reason, just tearing <laughs> tearing down films. It's always much more popular with people to tear down films than to give the good side of films. Right. So, So, yeah, why don't you uh, start us off, Matt? What's our first film that we're going to be tearing down today? Right.
1: So... This wouldn't necessarily go on my list, but I I know you feel differently about this film than I do a little bit. But but Suicide Squad. Yeah. Okay. So absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So Suicide Squad, and just so people know out there, I didn't mind Suicide Squad that much. It wasn't particularly like great or even good for that matter, but it 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 had some entertainment value. Although I can admit that it did have some major, major flaws, yeah. um, and and it was definitely apparent, and, and it wasn't the good wasn't able to outweigh a lot of some of the the issues that were there. Um, the the cast I thought was fantastic. Um, everybody. Uh, there there are some moments where each character. I wish they uh, may you know may have tried to make different choices possibly yeah. that didn't fit their character at the time but for the most part i really enjoyed it i liked i liked will smith in it a lot margot robbie i, I even um i even liked uh jared leto's joker mm-hmm. um i think they were just it was a good squad and and not so good movie yeah you know what i mean yeah totally. like if they were in a better movie uh, had maybe a, a different editor also <laughs> um it would have made all, all the difference by editor
0: do you mean studio
1: <laughs> well, I think maybe just all of the above. Yeah, I remember um, there were a lot of rumors and, and things going around about a lot of the reshoots that were happening in it. Yeah. Now, now I understand, and you know, you, everybody listening out there needs to understand that reshoots are not uncommon. No, reshoots in a big studio movie—they yeah. they are budgeted for and yeah. they are planned. Yeah, um, it's when you get into like how extensive the reshoots are when you have to refilm half your movie. That's. Not a good situation Yeah Um, The only movie That I know of That's been able to Pull something like that off That I enjoyed Was World War Z Mm -hmm. They actually had to Rewrite and reshoot Their whole like Last third of the film Yeah And I thought it worked In it's situation For the most part Mm -hmm. Um, But Suicide Squad I I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's Really terrible, but definitely has a lot of issues. And Joel, you feel differently. Where are you coming from on this?
0: So I gave Suicide Squad in my mind when I was just seeing the previews and everything a really high potential. I was just super psyched. I was like, oh my gosh, it looks like they're finally trying to do something that's like a little bit different. You thought this was going to be the DC movie. I thought it was going to be the standout flagship DC movie that was going to be like, they finally make good movies. And boy, was I wrong (laughs) about that. So I will say this. um, I agree with you in the character front. I think the characters were... Interesting. I felt like at least who they set them up as being in the script, um, there was a lot of potential there. But I felt like 90% of it was wasted potential. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what just ticked me off about this film so much is that um, it really felt like wasted opportunity and wasted potential because I felt like almost what they were doing in a weird way was um, making a second film where they should have started off with the first film where we can get grounded in the characters and we can see them sort of become this suicide squad together. Right. And, but instead they ended up going into like four or five different plot lines with so many different characters going in so many different directions that I just, I wasn't sure exactly which plot line was like the, the most important one. And then additionally, I never really cared about the characters enough because I never got to see that time where they like, they become the suicide squad. You know what I mean? So they have like this romantic subplot that's going on. That's kind of already there that, we're supposed to care about for some reason between a couple of the characters we've got um will smith who's you know featured as this like supposed to be a hardened like killer but has daddy issue or like right. you know daughter issues <laughs> yeah exactly say, which didn't make <laughs> maybe a lot of he sense. has daddy issues yeah I don't know. <laughs> well i mean and all these are things like you know and even the way that the film ends with certain characters being killed off it's like you just don't really care because you've never seen them get close yeah. to each other there's like one moment in a bar which i felt like was the most real moment for them to connect but that's the kind of scene that they should have had like a quarter of the way into the film right where they're just starting to get connected to each other and get to know each other Um, and it felt like what they could have done here was pretty much just get rid of the entire like magical. That was the other thing. The magic type element just was like, where is this coming from? Get rid of the entire magical element and just make it a straightforward story about, um, the Joker trying to get back Harley Quinn. Right. And they have to go into the city. Drop off Harley Quinn and rescue this lady that, you know, works for the government and just make that the plot. And then you can kind of show them getting there and the, you know, things they have to go through. And they have to work together, you could even have this kind of moment at the end where Harley Quinn has to decide, you know, is she going to turn on the Joker? Is she going to turn on our team? You know, and it could be this kind of will she, won't they kind of thing or will she, won't she? So it it just felt completely wasted. It felt like, again, they were just like throwing out all these different ideas for like, well, that would be cool. And that would be cool. And that would be interesting. And special effects would be great here. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, it just really it really it just really ticked me off.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I didn't feel the same, but that's that's. That's totally fine. I I had a little bit of fun. You're right, though. That bar scene, that was really, really good.
0: Yeah. I wish more moments like that had happened where it should really put the characters together in a position where they could just get to know each other. Yeah. And you did it at the very beginning, and it really felt like what ended up happening. And this was another film that I got to... Um, be a part of just at least seeing the cast and everything like that. When I was at Comic Con last year in San Diego, you keep bringing that up, I'm man. It's sorry. like you're rubbing yeah. it in here. I'm I didn't,
1: I didn't get to go. And <laughs> Joel is always like, "Hey, so at
0: Comic Con, yeah, you know, well, it's a this. big deal, you know. It's hard to get those tickets these years, but uh, hopefully next year, Matt, you can join yeah, us out we'll, there. But we'll, we'll try. Yeah. So we got to see a lot of the promotion that they were kind of doing out there. And when I had first approached it, in a lot of the previews it really had been about this whole cast and ensemble of characters and this kind of quirky world. And it quickly became obvious that there was basically two characters that they wanted to make this film about, which is basically Margot Robbie and Will Smith. And in all the different interviews and everything that they were doing, like Will Smith is just sitting there, like dominating the conversation and saying all the different things. And even in the very beginning of the film, I think that played out where you see that basically the film jumps right to Will Smith and dead shot. Right. And it's like, this shouldn't be about just his character. Yeah it's about a group of people. You know yeah. what I mean? It's about all the group coming together and doing this as a, you know, a bad team, basically, you know, the anti-hero type team. Yeah. And so they ended up focusing a little bit on his subplot more than everybody's. And some, some of the characters, you didn't even know most of their story. They're just kind of like, oh, well, I happened to kill my entire family accidentally, right. you know, with one of the characters. And it's like, oh, well, that would have been nice to maybe get more into. Right. So yeah, that's, all I've got to say about that.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, that's definitely understandable. Um, so what do we have next, Joel? What's on your list for worst of 2016?
0: So the next film we have coming up and Matt, I'm pretty sure this is a film you actually did not get a chance to see, but it's one that, um, I went into not trying to have an opinion one way or the other. Um, I'm a fan sometimes of these kind of other world type movies where they kind of set up a separate different world that's maybe exists within our own, but apart from it, like Narnia I thought was great and um, other films of that nature. This was a film. It's called Miss Perrigan's home for peculiar children.
1: Ah, yes. So just as an outsider's perspective and it kind of looked like it was going to be
0: Tim Burton's version of X-Men. Yes. And I could see something like that. Um, They also brought on the writer Um, who did x-men days of future past and x-men first class it just didn't turn out no it really did not turn out to be that way unfortunately (laughs) that Um, makes me sad (laughs) so the thing you'll learn about tim burton is he's not uh, at least in my opinion he is not really uh, he he did a couple films where he did some action um batman you know batman returns kind of movies and some of his films do have like actiony elements like Beetlejuice had some actiony elements in it and things like that and even maybe Edward Scissorhands has a couple moments where things get a little intense Um, but he's never been one for me that like the action of his films is really stand out even if you watch the original Batman movies most of the fights are choreographed really cheesy simple little fights. And so if you're trying to do a film and make it like X-Men, you need to know action and you need to know how to make stakes rise. You need to know how to make it interesting to see these characters and put in situations of peril and everything like that. And this film ended up becoming for me, basically this, I I don't even know how to explain it, but tonally it didn't know what it was trying to be. Mm. One moment you have Samuel L. Jackson, who's literally ripping out the eyes of some of the characters in order to just do something. Basically he eats their eyes in order to get power from them, which is never explained in the film. Wow. But he does that. And then the next moment it's this silly little girl who can blow air out of her lungs. And that's her power. She shoots air. And it's not even like painful air. It's just really strong air. You know what I mean? <laughs> and some of the characters turn into animals and that's like their power and everything like that. And there's this one kid and his the main kid that you're supposed to kind of connect into the world with ends up being this kid that I was like, okay, well, he's kind of your character that, you know, he's getting into the world and you're kind of following him. He's like your vehicle into the world. He ends up being one of the peculiar kids as well. And he's got his own power and it's the most inane power. He can literally just see these one type of creatures that happen to be the antagonist like one of the main antagonists for the film so everything was just this house of cards where it's like we have to do this and we have to do that and there's a scene which does not even make logical sense where they you know they they need this like base of operations that i'm guessing is kind of like in all the books because it's based on a book series you know and so they go to this this cruise liner that's kind of been sunken (laughs) underneath the water right and so this character this girl that has the power to just basically blow an unlimited supply of air or a lot of air out of her lungs which just Physically doesn't make sense, but whatever, you know, and she can float and everything like that. And so she blows all of the air out of her lungs into this boat. And then literally the boat just sink from being sunk in the bottom of the floor of the ocean starts floating. And it's literally just this cruise liner now that for whatever reason, I mean, now that it, it's floating, it just continues to float, which like it's, if you know a boat, boats don't just sink on their own. There has to be something that causes the boat, like a hole in the side of it. So just stupid things like that. And I know it's a kid's movie. I'm probably getting way too intense and way too in depth. With the whole so script here. so but you I expect, loved it. I get, well, I expect better of Tim Burton. That's okay. the big thing. I mean, he's done some classic amazing films and I know that, you know, he's in his later years here, he's gotten a little bit off with a lot of types of stuff. Um, but you know, I would just—I would have expected better from him. Gotcha, Matt. Do you have any thoughts?
1: No, I don't. <laughs>
0: Tim Burton has always been a guy
1: um, where you can spot his aesthetics—you know, a mile away. Like, yeah. you know, you know, instantly. Oh, that's a Tim Burton thing because it just looks like a Tim Burton thing, and usually you'll—you'll you'll be right.
0: Yeah, I mean, but, and I will give him credit. I, you know, I said a lot of stuff about his action. I mean, he's done action movies. He's done Sleepy Hollow which that's kind of a hit or miss for some people. Right. It's kind of a tongue-in-cheek type thing. He did Sweeney Todd, which had a lot of violence in it. But he also did Planet of the Apes. You know what I mean? And so I think the one thing you can say about him is, is his action movies aren't necessarily the most like standout. And this wasn't right. like an action movie per se. It's kind of more of an adventure film, yeah, like a kid's adventure film. But right. yeah, it just didn't work on any level for me. Right. So Matt, that is all I have to say about that. What is our next film that we're going to be talking about for our worst of 2016?
1: So I don't want to spend a lot of time on this movie. It kind of just makes me <laughs> mad thinking about it. Uh, but I, but I do have to put it on the list because it was really disappointing to me, mm-hmm. and it was Independence Day two. Okay. Yeah. Now you might be thinking, Matt, Independence Day, really? Why would you be thinking that was just going to be a great movie? Well, I will tell you why. Because in- Independence Day one was <laughs> was was so much fun. Yeah. And and it it kind of stood the test of time a little bit in terms of you know. As far as action, even the visuals were actually pretty good, and and how they've you know for the time transposed for sure, yeah. sure. they've transposed model a little bit. The great. model work was the model work was good, so they relied very little on on like the CG element. Yeah, yeah very little. Um, so it, it was fun. You have you have good characters. You have a good story. Uh well, good story. I mean, <laughs> fun story, engaging stories. Yeah. You know, people again. It comes back to the characters, people that you care about, people that really connect with Jeff Goldblum, and Will Smith, and even some of the auxiliary characters, Roland Emmerich. Just, just in general, um, over time is is kind of le- leaned on this crutch of of wanting like a thousand different characters in his movies and and wants you to focus on all these characters. When in a movie in two hours, realistically, you just don't have time for that. And that's, that's one of the many problems that independence day two had um, is, is you don't care about the characters, even the characters that reprise or roles. uh, Jeff Goldblum is is just, it's just not, it's, it's like they're phoning it in kind of. And it's just like, they don't care. I didn't have any fun with it. The editing was, was silly. And some of the humor that they're going with may have, may have worked in 1996 or 8 whenever the original <laughs> came out and um but but even then it's it's just it was sloppy it was felt just very cheesy the story was kind of this meh, you know, I, um, yeah. you know, even the way they ended it as if they're going to be going on for seven more movies. I yeah. was like, there's no way this, this is just so I, I'm just upset about this movie, <laughs> <laughs> but Joel, I know you felt a little differently than yeah. I did, yeah. but I, 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 graded this
0: thing an F. I, oh, <laughs> I hated wow. this
1: movie. So yeah, go ahead and tell me what you thought.
0: <laughs> so I definitely agree with a lot of what you're saying. I, I think my view on it was a little better. Um, I definitely looked at Independence Day. The first one is kind of like a guilty pleasure. You know, it's, it's a popcorn flick, you know, you sit down and you watch it and you're not like, Oh my gosh, what's good. I mean, you are a little bit, it is a little bit suspenseful, but it's not like going to blow your mind as far as like deep, complex artistic metaphors and anything like that. So, but it, it was enjoyable. It had good humor and had good fun. And I felt like this movie, I wasn't expecting a whole lot. I wasn't expecting to go into it. Um, with it kind of blowing my mind. I knew it was a two part thing and I knew that they were going to be setting up a lot of elements to kind of expand the universe. But I felt like the film did a good enough job in my mind, at least being a self-contained film. And I would, I would very much agree with you that I think one of the weaknesses of this film is the characterization and the way that they treat the characters. Whereas in the first film, the characters are interesting and they're fun and you feel like you could relate to them and connect with them and, you know, grab food with them or something. Whereas in this film, they kind of all just seem like characters. that are kind of acting out this scenario that's being played out before them. But I still enjoyed the action. I didn't feel like there was any elements to the plot. That completely just were like, okay, well, that's completely unrealistic. I mean, you're talking about aliens coming down <laughs> from another planet, and their technology and shields and you know, flight and anti-gravity stuff. So it's like, there's going to be a realm of like, again, very similar to it. I understand the rules of this world are going to be a little bit different. Than my own. And so um, I wish they they had done more with the characters. I wish they had done more to kind of make it a bit more fun and engaging. Um, It seemed like much more of kind of a straightforward just action movie. Right. Um, And so in that sense, I felt like it did a decent enough job. I felt like it wasn't going to like, again, it didn't like blow my mind. It gave it kind of like, you know, a C- C plus, maybe wow. B minus kind wow. of range for me. Yeah.
1: Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So, I think Will Smith would have made all the difference. I agree. He ended up
0: just, I'm guessing, deciding I don't want to be part of this. Yeah. Oddly enough, he actually did Suicide Squad over yeah. this. So that is true. And he's been making some interesting choices recently. A lot a lot of his movies have been doing quite as well. And I will say, um, the the interesting thing they did, interesting thing they did, I looked into a little bit of the advertising and kind of how they explained away, you know, Will Smith not being a part of this. You know franchise this mm-hmm. new moving franchise was um they basically said that he died in a military exercise uh in between the films um so it's kind of like military oh, uh, exercise
1: you know that's always a cover-up yeah I mean it's <laughs> it's
0: obviously a bit of a you know just explain away type thing but <laughs> yeah that's kind of my views on Independence Day resurgence
1: yeah well I'm glad that you enjoyed it somewhat <laughs> I I will never be watching this again
0: well we'll see maybe we'll uh we'll have an Independence Day Marathon one day
1: Well, that's going to wrap it up for our Worst of 2016 Part 2 segment. now I want to get into a little bit of a review for Rogue
0: One. Ooh, sounds fun, Matt. Yeah.
1: So uh, just so you know, this this movie's been out for a little while. Uh, There's going to be some spoilers happening here. So spoiler warning, just letting you know. Uh, It's been out for a while. We just wanted to wait to make sure that you've got a chance to go out to the theater to see it. Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen it, Maybe stop and skip <laughs> to the end or something. Skip to the end. But um, Rogue One, uh, I really enjoyed it, as I know that you did, Joel. Yes. And um, I I was just really, really happy with the way that they were able to make a Star Wars film that was unrelated to... Um, the the current trilogy happening mm-hmm. but also kind of actually shed some new light on some of the old stuff um and and a new hope and just some of the motivations it really i felt like it enriched the whole just kind of star wars mythology as a whole yeah and it was just it was just enjoyable i mean uh what what were the, some of the standout moments to you i mean there are so many that i can think of but what yeah
0: i so i w- somebody said this and it, this is a controversial movie for a lot of people right. you know, i i have a lot of reviewers that i really respect and i and i listen to or i look at their reviews and everything that i kind of do my research on and <clears throat> get an idea of what they're thinking and a lot of them said bad things and a lot of them said good things so it's kind of like i don't know what people are thinking there's back and forth my personal opinion of the film was that it was a very good film. It was a very awesome film. And I think the the way that it's going to hit you, it's going to hit you one of two ways. And the big thing that everybody kind of would probably agree with is that the characters in the film aren't necessarily the strongest characters. They're not like... You know they're not going to be doing toys for um, Gene Ursos character or Cassie and Andor like these aren't characters you're going to see like kids playing with for years to come. Maybe the robot Which, just because yeah right. You so know, they do cool have again.
1: and I went to the store because I wanted to see. I always like the look at the Star Wars toys. You know okay so yeah can, they probably have they toys. do have toys but I don't, <laughs> gonna, don't see them flying off the shelves either. Right. I do see K two S O being very popular. Because Absolutely, he was probably one of the really more enjoyable parts of that film just kind of as a whole.
0: Absolutely so. What I felt like the film did really well for me was that I wasn't looking for this deep story of characters and this world of... Because I know that this is a transitional film. It's to get us from episode three to episode four, A New Hope. And so what I'm really looking for is I'm looking for a story that is a natural understanding and, you know, transfer from one series to the next. And I felt like I really got that. And I felt like what this film did really well was what it did in the very beginning of the like the very beginning of the movie when you basically have um, these characters that you know the the empire's landing on this planet to basically get uh genes dad to go build the you know the the death star and she basically he basically there um there's a conversation that kind of takes place there and he basically says um hey you know we're doing this to not just Make ourselves, you know, awesome and powerful, but what we're doing will ultimately cause peace in the universe. And so it gave me a side to, you know, you'd ask yourself, like, if there's this giant militaristic like organization that was to take over the world, they would have to have some mindset that would bring people and make them a part of it. And so it showed, okay, well, that's the mindset of, you know, the the empire and what they've kind of always thought. Right. But then you also see the 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 bad side of the the basically the republic and the guys that are trying to get rid of the empire, and you see basically the lengths and the willingness that they're going to in order to make this like successful to destroy the empire
1: right so you didn't get that and that's one thing I got from it too is is if you watch the original trilogy, you think of the rebellion, yay, these shiny good guys and all that stuff. Where mm-hmm. they do some shady stuff, yeah, you know, especially when you see that in Rogue One. You're like, okay, they're not as squeaky clean. Yeah, as he you just might shoots a guy be. in
0: the back to I get know, away. You know, and so. you're like,
1: wow, okay, so they're doing some shady stuff also. That that's not you know entirely awesome. Yeah, um, and I, I think that's a big thing that to show that side of it, you know, it, it just gives a gives the whole world a, a whole uh, just more heft. Um, at the same time, oh, I do need to say this too, because I'm I'm kind of, I've been getting into some, uh, heavy in the Star Wars canon and lore Mm -hmm. and all this up and reading books and getting into some of the, the side, you know, canon things. And man, this, this film. And I think, I think one of the biggest things that people might come away with it as, is yes, the characters, um, they might. They might seem a little two-dimensional. Yeah, a little flat. Maybe. Um, and I, I think that that's okay for this film. Me too. I um, agree. And, and some people wanted more. I did read the book uh, Catalyst by mm-hmm. James Lucino that essentially takes it's the events leading up to
0: Rogue <laughs> One. the prequel prequel. To the prequel, right.
1: <laughs> and so there were things that happened in the book that really connect you, especially for, for me to 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 Jin to uh, her dad Galen yeah. to uh her uh, to Jin's mom Lyra. Yeah. Um which in the first 5 minutes of, of Rogue One Lyra, Jin's mom dies. Yeah. And like I could sense in the theater that nobody really cared, but I was like devastated. I was like no. <laughs> Cuz yeah. there's this whole background that nobody got unless you read the book. Yeah. And um I I think that the that some of the again it's just it enriches just kind of everything in Star Wars canon Star Wars lore yeah. and that if you're really into this you're like yes this is this is really good where I can see where there might be some hesitations to liking it if you're not, if you're not really familiar with a lot of it because there are a lot of yeah. nods and winks and, and things like that that are, are given that Gareth Edwards did in this yeah. that are, are really special
0: mm-hmm. I think that, so I agree they did a great job bringing in some of the lore and some of the feelings of kind of the Jedi universe and the, the universe that they're in in star wars so i thought that was great i think one thing that could definitely be said is i felt they used darth vader both good and bad in this film i didn't personally like the way that they did his initial kind of shots i felt like that scene was very unnecessary and kind of pointless but they more than make up for it later when you get that (laughs) that fight scene with darth and boy do you ever figure out why it is that people are so just afraid of darth vader i mean that was like a horror movie there
1: (laughs) It's like one of my favorite like, yeah. Star Wars scenes just in general. I just, oh, absolutely. I just picture that guy like, that's got the plans. He's like, <laughs> it's like take, up! Yeah.
0: take the plans. Take the plans. Yeah. And
1: Darth Vader's just mauling everybody behind him.
0: Absolutely, oh, yeah. Scary. So, I mean, they did great things with that there. I felt like there was definitely moments where it was a little bit like maybe anticlimactic, like killing off a couple of the characters. I felt like the way that they kind of did it was a bit like, well, we have to kill them off somehow you know i would have liked to see a couple different things happen especially when um you know they're blowing up certain i don't i don't want to spoil anything but you know they killed one character by blowing up a spaceship you know what right. i mean and i'm kind of like why didn't you just like let him do something instead of just basically sitting there and being right. like exploded so um overall i really enjoyed it though and i felt like what this movie does and what it needed to do is if you watch this film and then right after that you go and you watch A New Hope, that movie is going to have so much more depth and so right. much more weight to it that if you watch A New Hope, the original you know Star Wars film, which is a great film, but is kind of more just an action. It's got great characters, it's got great story arc, but there isn't necessarily that huge amount of depth that went into like the sequel, right. you know, and the the third film, the um, Return of the Jedi, because they had really only made this one film this movie really sets up this whole deeper meaning and depth to the explosion and the destruction of the Death Star, right, right. you know, even with uh, Luke taking on the name of one of the characters or like the, you know, the squad red role, you yeah, know, yeah. red five, that one of the other characters lost. Right. So I think for that sense of just that being what it needs to be, I I loved it.
1: Yeah. It was okay. Real quick. I know we have, yeah, we're, 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 we're wrapping running, up here. We're yeah. wrapping up. But yeah. What do you think of uh, CG Tarkin?
0: So Tarkin I liked. I really liked Tarkin. I felt like they did a decent enough job. A funny thing happened for me the first time I've it three times now. Nice. Yeah. It twice, so. Okay. So first time I saw it and the second time I saw it were both in 3d IMAX. I didn't have a choice. That was like the only showings that were available. Gotcha. And, um, he didn't look great in 3d IMAX. He looked kind of, uh, and if yeah. you know how the technology works, then it tends to basically, and you can actually see this in theater. If you take your glasses on and off, it tends to darken yeah. the overall look of the film. Yeah. And so he didn't look super great because the lighting was a bit off. And I think as well, and this is just in general, his micro expressions at times like would kind of go a little wonky for me didn't look quite facially what he was needing to do but when I saw it in the normal version I thought he looked awesome I thought he looked great and everything about him was just like that's spot on I will say though on the other side of things Princess Leia I don't know who or how that one happened but that one for me just really fell flat
1: it, it was weird it yeah. was a weird it was a very weird looking it was
0: a very weird CG rubbery face. kind of waxy g face to me and i was like we have an example of how it's done well yeah. and we have an example of how it's done poorly right. so peter yeah.
1: cushing yeah it i was impressed yeah i will say this though um going going into it i knew something was gonna be weird here so i, I was i was watching it and the first time watching this movie i was like um yeah, it looks really good, but I was watching and looking for flaws. And there are some weird things every now and then, but for the most part, it looks really, really great. Um, but I was distracted. Mm. I was distracted looking at his face as I opposed agree. to the conversation that was happening between him and Credit. I agree. And um, the second time, I, I was like, okay, I got this. I was listening. I was like, okay, I'm yeah. finally hearing what's happening right now. There were people that I talked to that did not know yeah. that it was a CG character. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's pretty incredible it's incredible it's kind of scary too right it's a little bit scary yeah but i will agree leia's face at the end was not really yeah not really
0: yeah so. so what's your overall rating scale one to ten
1: i gotta give it a well, well okay a to well, a to a, f because i typically agree i could i could transition i would i would give it in in 88 a, a b plus
0: b plus yeah. awesome i would probably give it a little bit higher i'd probably put it like right in the 90 oh cool so like an a minus yeah Or B+, depending upon what school you go to. Yeah, right.
1: (laughs) We'll bell curve that. We'll just say A's for everybody. There
0: you go. So definitely check out Rogue One if you haven't had a chance to. Hopefully we didn't spill anything too badly for you Uh, there. We warned you. Yeah, we did (laughs) warn you. But So we're going to go ahead and wrap things up here. I want to remind you again, uh, go ahead. If you haven't, go ahead and sign up for our contest. Very simple to do. Just subscribe and hit the um, review button. Give us a nice little review if you can probably hopefully a, a, a positive g- a one good review would be appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> Good is better than bad that right? would be yeah. that would be for yeah. for the most part true <laughs> so go ahead and do that and then shoot us an email or if you have any questions any comments anything you want to know that maybe you're inquiring minds anything you disagree with uh, definitely shoot us an email that's real review media at gmail.com and then additionally check out our facebook facebook.com slash real review media that's a forward slash. I always get those mixed up, (laughs) but we're always posting cool things on there and we're going to be able to connect with you through that as well. So thanks for checking everything out and it's been real.